When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. God, it was, first of all, the biggest delight was watching our guest. I'm going to tease the guest yet, but watching her dance as we watched her dance several years ago and um, in many a video, it was very exciting. I can't wait to tell Eli Braden, who sang that and wrote that, that you, our guest, were enjoying it. I did the Belinda to it. You did. Really? <laughs> I, you I did. did. Oh, that's a, that's a big clue for those of you who don't read the description of who's on the podcast. It's Kathy Valentine from the fucking Go-Go's. The fucking Go-Go's. The fucking Go-Go's. I mean, no, the fucking Go-Go's. The fucking Go-Go's, man. Oh my God, this is so exciting. Danny and I have been just fangirling out. I am so (laughs) wet. Just, just I mean, it is, I've ruined this chair. I'm rock hard. Danny's wet. We're ready. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, what's, uh, that's a good thing about the silver lining of Zoom, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, no one can see. Unless you're Jeffrey Tubin. And then you don't turn your camera off. Oh, you know, I thought I was doing a, a Zoom stand-up show. Okay. And right like after that whole thing happened, I thought it'd be funny when they introduced me to just be standing up like I was jerking off. Like right when I, <laughs> that would have been great. But, and I did it, and it was like two people got the fucking joke, and everyone else was like, "The fuck is she doing?" Like, and I totally got it because even though I don't jerk off when I'm on Zoom, often I will go pee or rude. something, and I'm always—I know I'm a prude. And I'm always scared that um, we'll change that. By the way, <laughs> I'm always so scared that I forgot to turn my camera and mic off. Because the bathroom's close enough that you would be able to hear me go to the bathroom if I didn't remember. So I had a small amount of relatability. Yeah, no, I, I do too. It's just I like- frequently have to make sure it's muted and video off. Like even when I've done it, I'm like, let me double check. Let me triple oh, check yeah. before I-, I It's just the idea of like, I mean, I've definitely in my life been super horny. But the idea <laughs> that I couldn't wait for a Zoom to end, like, like <laughs> the need for that, like I've actually even talked to friends who've been in, like, not friends, but it's come up in parties that people are like, yeah, they're stuck in traffic and they jerk off in the car. It's like, you can't wait? That's what I think when, I, when I'm driving on the freeway and like in the middle of nowhere, you see like triple X um, porn video yeah. place. And I'm like, who like exits the freeway, yeah. go into this like dumpy like place to like windowless nasty jizz bank and you're like yeah like it's free on the internet like you can it's they not know that's the thing i mean for me so much of my childhood prior to the internet was like it was about like acquiring and hiding porn 
like it was like a whole thing like five people shared a magazine that you buried in the woods you know that was how we did it and i hate to sound like an old man but it's just these kids today don't know they don't know the struggle of like having to go into a store and buy like milk and nine different things and then like a, a hustler you know and they're like mixed in with like uh you know they don't know no, now you're like, you put your search words in, you're like, no, the production value's shit. Let me go to the next one. Nope, let me go to the so, next video. I, just, I miss storytelling. <sighs> it's really, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's lost something, I think. Well, we can't, this, this is we've, what, really, we've really taken a great turn. Um, let's go, yeah, we need to turn this back We need to turn this back We need to turn this back on Kathy. I, I, like, first of all, I just want to say, like, how much your music meant to me you know, at a very formative time. I was in bands and we had a, a you know, a girl singer in our band. And um, and like before y'all came around, it was like, we, you know, we'd play a lot of heart or we'd play, you know, Pat Benatar or Joan Jett, but it was like, you guys came out and it was just such a band and like having played uh, your music. I mean, I don't think people, even at the time, fully appreciated the musicality of all of you. Like it was just, it, it, you guys were really, um, you know, and maybe that's the curse of the girl group, but um, but you guys were all so solid and those songs were so well constructed. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, when you when we would start up a tour, like, you know, there's, there's like a, you know, whole culture, road culture, and, you know, there's like guitar techs and roadies that just go from one tour to the next. So sure. when, we, when we'd get a, a new tour together, the guys, you know, they were coming from other bands and it was their first time. And you could, we got to see like every single time the respect that would happen. Like they, they just thought they were, I don't know what they expected, but they would just see that we were pros and that we were great musicians and, and, so uh, evident. yeah. Well, so that, it, that documentary that just came out, uh, on Showtime, which, I, we, we've talked about it on the podcast already. Yeah, like before we got we've, we've promoted the shit out of it with other guests, which I'm sure they loved when we were just okay. talking about the go-go's to <laughs> other, <laughs> but that documentary like blew my mind because of how much each one of you played your own instruments, you know, like you wrote several songs. Yeah, I mean, I came yes. into the band as a writer and I came in as a guitar player, too. I'd never played bass, so that affected my bass playing. And uh, I think it definitely had a, a, an effect on the band. And I love the documentary, too. The The focus on the punk rock roots of the band is super cool. But like, yeah, I'm surprised. I thought yeah, everybody I knew that. The, the director was. I had no idea. <laughs> Yeah, she was really taken with that. Of course, I knew because, but I had been into punk rock in England. I had been in England already. And uh, people that don't know, I have a book. Let me talk, let's promote the fuck out of it. Yes, definitely. And it's an awesome book. Like Kathy yes. Valentine. It just came out at the beginning of the pandemic. And it, it's, it really, people love reading it after the documentary because it has so much. Uh, goes into a lot of depth because you know you can't put everything in a in a ninety minute film, but um, so I it was left having me wanting own... more. I could tell you that. <laughs> like I had. Yeah, well, you'll you'll get it in the you'll get it in the book. But like, so my punk rock experience was happening in England, and then I started a punk band in Austin. So oh, wow. I wasn't in that part of the narrative of the Go Go's documentary, but 
it was that that whole punk thing was opening doors up for me too. And when I got to LA to find my fame and fortune, you know, I thought I was a seasoned pro. I mean, I thought I'd been playing right. for five years. I'd been in bands in London and in Texas. And I I knew Stevie Ray Vaughan and the Thunderbirds and Doug wow. Song. I grew wow. up in Austin. So I thought like, and I saw them like in their very early days. And I just thought if you had told me then that I was going to be in that band two years later, I would have said, no, I'm not. No, I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> Um, not because wow. I thought they sucked, but but just because I thought they had such a long way to go. I just thought yeah. that they're, they're beginners. But what happened in the two years that I was like kind of going, you know, starting bands in L.A. and stuff, they, you know, in the meantime, they got Gina Shock on the drums, which yeah. you're only as good as your drummer. Holy they God. they did that tour in, in England. Uh -huh. They played hundreds of shows. So when it came time for me to join, I was like, they got my attention right away. I'm like, man, this band has great songs. They're a great band. This is, this is all I ever wanted. I'm definitely, I'm, even before this podcast is out, I'm going to um, order that book because I really was so fascinated in that. And I was fascinated. You know, I love the English. I was very, you know, I, I've always loved the English music and your association with um, Fun Boy 3, and yeah. all that, I always, I always found really fascinating, like that back and forth. And um, yeah, so you'll I, love I'm the like, book. And and I was gonna send one. Uh, I'm I'm postally impaired, and I haven't, <laughs> but I've I've signed it and I've put it into an envelope. But I have one for Jenny that I promised her about a Yay. month ago. Oh, I'm excited oh. to read it. I'm very excited. No, 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 that, no, that's fine. I, that's fine. I'll just buy one, like a like yeah. a regular post. I guess. I would send you one, I, but you probably. You'll probably get it. Danny will get his quicker by buying it than yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm gonna. I want to contribute. I want to contribute to the legacy. Well, buy from an indie store. Buy from like you know books. That's a good idea. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, not from Amazon. Okay, I have a question. So when you were talking about you knew Stevie Ray Vaughan and you were in Austin, you're from Austin, correct? Yeah, I was born and raised, and I moved to LA when I was 19 in okay. 1978. And uh, I just moved back to Austin in 2006. I've been back here. Whew, the time goes. I so, know. yeah, I've spent most of And my mom's English. So I'm kind of my, my, and my boyfriend's in New York. So I'm kind of like those cities are like such a huge part of my life. Between New York and Austin and L.A. and London, that's wow. kind of where that's I so feel. That's so cool. <laughs> when you that's left where it. I feel my roots in all of these places. Yeah, well... I mean, I lived, I got, I love Austin. I lived there for almost five years. Like after I graduated Why didn't you live here when I lived here? That would have been fun. When you said you moved back in 2006, I'm like, I think I left Austin in 2004, maybe. And then okay. I went to San Antonio. I was working in news. Um, but you knew Stevie Ray Vaughan. Did you play at Antone's? I, I went to Antone's a lot, but when I really started playing, I was kind of into punk rock. So Doug Somm was the first person that let me play with him when I was 16. And I, I wow. worshipped uh, the Thunderbirds and Stevie Ray Vaughan. And it was a really vibrant music scene. And I really think that it had a lot to do with my musicality and still to this day. And when I joined the Go-Go's, I write in my book that like, even though I was new on the bass, I had such a good... Uh, foundation of music, a, a great education being from Austin that I just kind of knew when the band should swing. I knew when it should drive. I knew when it should be. I just knew how they should sound. And I loved them. And it was not a big 
big deal for me to switch instruments. You know, my goal had never been to be the bass player in a band. I always wanted to be Keith Richards. But if this band was so good, I probably would have played the tambourine. You know, yeah. I, I really I fell in love with them. And they were like the sisters and the family that I had always longed for. So well, I'm, I, I, I was a Bill Wyman. So uh, but um, and I will tell you, it is like the transition from guitar to bass. Like I know so many great bass players who started on guitar and went to bass and yeah. really fell in love with it. It is so much harder. Anytime I would try and in my brief forays into this, would try and get to the move it from bass to guitar. I, I had a very hard time with that. I, was, I could see from bass to guitar would be harder than guitar to bass. It was. I think, I, I, you know, but And yeah. it affects your playing. Like the bass players that come from guitar play very differently. They than do. Like, you know, we're not like, we don't play like Bootsy or something. No, we you don't. don't. Or, or James Jamerson. It's like Paul McCartney, Noel Redding with Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, yeah. Me. But not, um, yeah. You're not like Jacob Astorius. You're not Flea. You know, it's yeah, yeah, thing. no, I'm like, I could never do Fleas gig ever. I, well, you, know? you try and do Fleas gig, it's really his, insane. Yeah. All his stories are insane that he was like, <laughs> put a hole in his thumb and would just fill it with crazy glue or something while he was yeah. playing. Yeah. Like, oh I got a callus watching him. <laughs> okay, but how you learn to play the bass in the documentary when they you talked about <laughs> is kind of the like, I was watching that story. Literally on the fucking ground laughing. I was like, I cannot I, I believe learned, you learned um, to play the bass. I learned in four days. I, I, <laughs> I learned on a, I basically went on a Coke bender, but it wasn't like a party. It was like, it was like when kids like, you know, do Adderall, Adderall or something. Just it's like, something. it was, it was a tool because I had so much to do. I wanted to do so well. And I just wanted to, I, I was so, I don't. There's probably very few times in my life where I had that amount of focus and intense, just like I'm getting this done. I'm going to do the best I can. They're wow. not going to want anybody else other than me. That was that's <laughs> that's the way I looked at it. You know, it was like, no. I, well, you I keep it. This game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but my that's that is like such an amazing story that you are that. First off, just musically talented that you could do that. I mean, Danny and I could go on a four day coke bender and we wouldn't. <laughs> learn to do shit. We would just yeah, be talking I mean, over each other for four fucking days, and then that would be. <laughs> I wrote a pretty good episode of Just Shoot Me that I don't remember on a couple. <laughs> I will say that. Uh, that's uh, I. It's it just funny. A little side trip. It was like they put Just Shoot Me on um, Hulu, and I was like, I, I always wanted to see this episode that I don't remember seeing or writing. I was watching it, and I was like, I was actually with my son. And like laughing, and it's like you really <laughs> like you. You wrote this. I said I don't. This was the Coke episode. He's like, oh, <laughs> it's like you know, it, it was a very great father son bonding moment. But it's, uh, it's yeah, uh, I got it. Like, see if you put your mind to it, son. Yeah, That's I was. I was watching the. I was watching the documentary with my daughter. I mean, I saw it a few times before that, but we watched it when it premiered on Showtime with my daughter, and she's just giggling away too at, at all that stuff. So. It's What's that like to watch with the daughter? Because you go through some tough stuff there. Yeah. I mean, well, but, the book but, is way more raw, you know. Yeah. So, but did she already she, know these things? Did you already? Well, they come up. So it, she she's pretty used to it. And, you know, she accepts that part of the, you know, the, it comes with the territory of not having standard issue mom is having, sure. you know, 
stuff. And what I'm just grateful for that is it doesn't bring any shame or, or embarrassment because there's always that risk, you know. Of course. Yeah. Thank goodness I didn't. It's not like you voted for Trump or something. So don't. Yeah, but, you know, it's like I'm, I'm, my biggest fear was that my daughter would want to be a cheerleader or something, you know, when, when she grew up. And it's like in, in school or be like, you know, a um, conformist, I guess I should say. Yeah. And, uh, so for I think for a lot of parents like us, that's your biggest fear, you know. Yeah, I, how old I, is your daughter? How old's your daughter? Oh, she she just voted for her first election. She's eighteen. She just oh, turned eighteen. Yeah, I have a son who's nineteen, so right around the yeah. same age. No, my mom was probably like you are with that. Like my mom was the only Jewish mom who would have been disappointed had I become a doctor. Um, <laughs> like like or a lawyer. She's like, no, you're funny. You should. You're going to be like a big star. And, and that's what you need to do. So I let her down. You know, I didn't become a big star, but I made a career. So that was good. Yeah, enough. yeah. But, yeah, uh, so, so yeah. I'm, I mean, there was some stuff, when you read the book, you'll see there was some stuff in the book that was a little hard for her to take because there's a lot of, it's not just the go-go's. It's, it's like, it's like some pretty painful adolescent stuff too. So she, that sure. was a little hard for her to take, but. I'm sure. Was that hard for you to put in the book and like, Put, yeah, imagine, like, you know, you're, you're putting this down and you're so vulnerable when you, well, you know, when I wrote it, your... when I wrote it, I was just like, you know, just be like, it was really important to me that it be brave and honest because it's, um, it, to me, that's what a memoir is. I didn't, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not famous enough that somebody just wants to see me like fluff around on a page. So I knew it had to be really raw and brutally honest and really well-written. I knew I was so aware of that because, you know, otherwise who's going to give a shit that the bass player wrote a book. And I thought I want to do a really good job. And that's what I did. And my Bible was um, Patty Smith's Just Kids. Oh that my God. Was, I love that book that, so much. That was the level I aspired to. And I'm not saying I came close to it, but I knew if I was shooting in that direction, that that's the direction oh, I, I wanted to, to read go. It. Because you, you you just quoted one of my favorite memoirs of the last, you know. Yeah, uh, and the other one I loved was Chronicles, just uh, Bob Dylan's uh, Chronicles volume that one. That I haven't read. Oh, the writing is, and like, reading that, I went back through 10 chapters and just revised with the, with the, the quality in mind. Like, he was amazing the way... Dylan would like, he wouldn't introduce anybody onto the page, even if they were just like a passing character in three sentences, you had such a sense of who that person was. That's amazing. And, and uh, it was so inspiring. And so I learned from writing the book, you probably went through this as writers yourself, you know, you read, you start reading with like, what can I take? How can I, how can I inform my own writing? Yeah. With that. Uh, so I had I read um, she's a friend of mine too, Patty Schemmel. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And her, a... her hit so hard. Her her memoir documentary were really like yes. Yeah, I really, saw the documentary first. Yeah, and she was just so raw and honest, and I was like, man, that is. Yeah, awesome. she had some intense stuff. We just did a um, we just did a recovery event, and it got pretty pretty dirty. Like we a, a Zoom thing, yeah. it got pretty low down. Not dirty, like low down. <laughs> I was, I was hoping it got dirty. I damn it. Um, uh, yeah. Now the memoir that always that, that got me because it was like, oh wow, this is so painful. But it was one of the funniest books I'd ever read. Was uh, Postcards from the Edge was Carrie Fisher. Oh and, yes. Oh and, yeah. Was like, and a friend of mine ed, ed, was editing that book for her. And so this is first when I moved to LA. This is back to like in '88. And 
I remember him playing me a tape of her by the pool. And it's a very famous, uh, I, I, like it was her just extemporaneously, like just talking the scene out that is word for word in the book and so good it made it into the movie and it's her first pass. So she just had that literary year. So I'm like the, the bar, so many memoirs fall very flat. Yeah, um, oh yeah, I get bored shitless in most of them. I have, I have stacks of books uh, memoir, especially rock ones that are just like, like just this litany of famous people that I, they met or this or that. And I want to go yeah. like, well, what did it feel like? What did it feel like to this or that? Yeah. And so I wanted two things. I wanted a, a fast pace. Like I didn't want anyone to get bored. I thought yeah. if I can't, yeah. if I get bored, I put a book down and I move on to the next. So I thought I don't want that to happen. No boring stuff. I overrode. I cut a hundred pages out and wow. um and made sure i've had so many people say i sat down and i read it in one sitting or i read it in two days like i couldn't put it down and i'm just like that was my goal like oh, that yeah. that was yeah. the goal my favorite bad memoir of all time and i would in, <laughs> in the 90s uh, get high with friends and we'd each sort of read a chapter at a party was uh vanna <laughs> speaks it was the vanna white memoir uh, oh my god of fortune really? it's really funny it's not intentionally funny but boy is it funny to hear how much can you get into for turning fucking letters like it, that's a lot she, of the point how that's, could she uh, get it was, I, I must have a copy somewhere but that was that, that that's my watermark for that one of uh, my favorite things that happened um i guess about a year or so ago i was asked by um you know that um is it literary death match you know that oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. So I was asked to do that. And they, their whole idea was to have people read things from rock memoirs. So, and this is way before mine or anything. I, I was, no, it wasn't anyway, whatever. So I was given Rod Stewart's to, and they gave me a passage to read out of it. And I was like, Hmm, cause I had heard something that Rod Stewart had written about the Go-Go's. So I surprised the whole thing. I went out. So instead of reading what they asked me to read, you wrote the Go -Go's? I, I read, no, I read the part, what he wrote about the Go-Go's and people uh, were just dying. What did what he, he say? He said that, he said that, that, um, that we like out drank and out drugged him and his band and that we could <laughs> snort the lacquer off of a table. I am so proud of you. <laughs> that I, is quiet. Of all your accomplishments, to have somebody like Rod Stewart compliment your drug taking abilities. Yes, I and I got him back that. in my book. So in my book, I got I I have he's like one of my little uh, name droppy moments. Oh so. no, that's like in a normal life that would be an achievement enough. <laughs> I'm telling you, meeting Rod Stewart was huge for me because sure. when I was a kid, like Maggie May, there was a there was a summer where Maggie May was just like ripping my heart open every single day, and you know the Faces were one of my favorite bands, and yeah. Uh, so when, like, of all the people that I had met when the Go-Go's were in our, our heyday, we met, but, like, meeting Rod Stewart, like, as a peer, it was, like, it was just the coolest thing ever. And it was in, it was in Rio at this Rock and Rio festival. Wow. And Belinda and I were, like, kind of on a, on a bender, and we heard this, like, Chuck Berry music blasting. And I open the, the, you know, the, the curtains are shut and I open yeah. and I see Rod Stewart on the balcony across the pool at our hotel. Cause it's this huge festival. And I'm like, eh, and he's like, eh, and he said, come on over. And it started like a, a friendship for a while, which was just, 
it was just one of the coolest little perks of that kind of era and having yeah. that kind of uh, where you just kind of get to a, where you're a peer, like not meeting somebody yeah. as oh, like, sure. oh, oh, you know, yeah. but you're on the same. I, I, actually, a couple of years ago, I have to, because you're talking about Rod Stewart, I w went to a party with a friend. Like I wasn't invited. I was like tagging along and literally the party was dying down and Rod Stewart walks in. Like at He's the end, he was with Sean, his son and Kimberly, his daughter. And the thing was the boxing gym that I go to, Sean goes to. It's like my friends that I was with, I was like, I've got an in. If Sean remembers me, because he's had his fair share of drug issues. So I was like, Sean, he went, Jenny, oh, hey, come meet my dad. I'm like, fuck out of here. <laughs> and awesome. when I saw him, I was like, he, he dresses like he should be on, like he just walked off stage. Like he was oh, wearing. Yeah. He's so dapper. The, but the moment I saw him, I was like, I get it. Okay. I oh, so, like. So you did think he was sexy. Yeah, oh, a hundred percent. Like I, you know, like I saw him and I was like, oh, I get a hundred, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. just, and he was so fucking funny and like, he's so charismatic and enjoyable to talk to. I'm like, this is so It's so funny. nice when you meet somebody and they have that, they just have that charisma, you know, that kind of where you, and it's such a, like a. When they're good uh, people too. Yeah. That's and like, I, like he was asking me, like, I remember him, he was saying, oh, you go to the gym with Sean and everything. And he was like, how is it? Because he was like, like a concerned father was wanting to make sure that the boxing guy was cool with Sean. And I was like, oh, no, it's great. It's all good. He's like, OK, you know, I just, you know, worry about him, want to make sure he's good. Like he was still this concerned father to him. Yeah, I'm like, oh, my God, I fucking dad. love him. Yeah, uh, he was incredibly so enjoyable. Um, oh, I have to. I have to ask you a question, Kathy, from my yeah. cousin Andy Nix, who oh, is obsessed with the Go Go's. He has okay. like a poster in his bathroom. So I said, "Do you have any questions?" And he literally whomped at me with like a million. Oh, wow. But he wants to know to describe your interactions with the guy bands of the time. Who was your favorite? Least favorite? Who was the best to party with? Of the of the time, like of our era. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. When we would tour, it's probably like for for you people that have done like films and TV shows, it's very much like this insulated thing where every, it's like this little uh, wolf pack. It becomes like your pack becomes you and the other band. And we we would get very close with our band and uh, with our band that we were touring with. So hanging out with NXS was awesome. I picked NXS for our last oh, uh, big tour. I was like, this <laughs> band is going to be huge. And I was like, we got to oh, get cool. them. Plus they're really cute. So um, NXS was awesome. Uh, in the earlier days in LA, of course, X and the Blasters were, were like our friends and my favorite bands. And uh, I saw X when I first moved with. Yeah, John John Doe lives in Austin now. We just he just helped me out do a doing a um a cramps tribute. It was really awesome. It's on it's on my wow. YouTube. You should check it oh, out. We'll check that out. We'll, we'll link that. Yeah, we'll add that. We'll add that. We'll yeah, add the link. To All that. these links. Yeah, that's great. It's yeah, fun because sure. now that they now that I have a book out and I it's like I'm getting asked what's to the name do of that book, Kathy. What's the name of that? All I ever Kathy? wanted. All I ever wanted. A rock and roll <laughs> okay. memoir. All I ever wanted. Kathy Valentine. Yeah. But um, it's like I, and because of the pandemic and the book, it was this, this convergence of like people needing content all the time, right? As my visibility kind of became more than just somebody 
in a band. And so all these uh, opportunities keep coming up like, oh, we need this or we're doing a cramps tribute. Can you do this? Or so these things keep coming up and I'm just keep making like I did a thing for Liz Winstead with um, oh, I love Liz. <laughs> with a version of Under My Thumb for the uh, for the abortion rights thing that she did a couple months ago. Anyway, it's so much fun. I'm having like for a pandemic, I'm having a little too much fun because I'm learning how to like make all these cool videos. And like I call my, my, when I do a band and it's just me, I call it lady band. Lady uh -huh. band because It's just me. And I can, I do all the programming and I can play the bass and the guitar and do the drums and I can play a drum beat enough. So when I get to, and then I've learned video editing. So I film myself doing everything. So I'm having way too much fun, way too much fun, but that's where you'll find that me and John Doe and Clem Burke from Blondie playing drums. So really, so, yeah, yeah. Oh my cool. God. I that saw is that. so cool. I just did that. I just did that in like 24 hours last week. That's amazing. Oh, I we're definitely going to link to all of this. Yeah. 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 Okay. Who is the biggest asshole? And that you're willing to talk about that you'd like a, another band like not who, who do you who <laughs> not treat you guys with respect yeah who was somebody that was just a fucking dick well ago? one oh, of sure. the things i wrote in my i don't mean to keep doing this i promise but it's just a, a part of my life now but i i was i in saw a pattern come out in the writing that um like the sexism and the 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 obstacles came from guys that weren't artists like the musicians were always so supportive from the time i was a teenager to like when we opened for the police to opening for the stones i can't say i can't think of anybody that 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 was a dick off the hand but you know what i'm really likable so if they are a dick they're not going to be a dick to me More so likeable. that's the problem i agree with that or probably that i bet anyone that was a dick didn't go on to make it so Maybe yeah, and so. if they were a dick, they probably were a dick to someone else. But I can't, if I could, I don't have a problem dishing on people, but I can't no. think of anyone. So what what I'm getting from this, Kathy, is that Hall & Oates were monsters. Hall & Oates were fun. I'm teasing like, you. Um, no, <laughs> I just, no. They, I'm just throwing out a bad. They're, they're pretty, they got some raunchy stuff in their past. I bet, oh, I've yeah. heard that before, that in mm -hmm. Oates. Wasn't Oates a little perv? I think there was some stuff in there, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, now like I think a lot of us in the eighties are grateful. We didn't have like, you know, TMZ and all that stuff around. Oh my God. Oh God. God. I'm, I'm grateful. I didn't have Facebook when I was in high school. I can't even imagine <laughs> TMZ being around. <laughs> no, this has truly got to be the worst time on earth to be famous. It's yeah. like, I, uh, it's just like, I can't even, it, what a nightmare. Or being, and you get canceled, like if you say the wrong thing, like, you know, it's like, and you have to be so PC and like, oh, is this, uh, is this political, you know, oh, am I going to offend somebody? And I'm like too much of a people, like I, I still care whether people like me. I want my, I strive to not care. You know, you would yeah. think at 61, I wouldn't care, but I still <laughs> care enough. You look but, good. Yeah, I know. I'm great. Up. I was like, I didn't. Yeah. You look 10 years younger than I am. And I'm like, some like six years younger than you so it's like you're doing <laughs> you great like i'm like, i was trying to do the math i feel like one day it's all like one day i'm just gonna look in the mirror and it's all like gonna happen at once like you're gonna hit the wall like you're gonna yawn weird and then suddenly you're gonna be like you know <laughs> i'm sure that's what's gonna happen it's like one day i mean now it's like every now and then you catch a glimpse and you're like oh crepey and it's like 
it's kind of weird, but I, so far I'm okay with, with the whole, my goal is to do a whole aging thing. Cause there's just so much shit that nobody tells women about getting older. And like that might be one of my future like. books is like rock and roll. Like the, like just the, the truth about aging. Yeah. What really happens. Cause nobody yeah. told me this stuff. I saw <laughs> No, I know. I it's like it's uh, it's very strange. I I wasn't expecting. I I like no one really warned me as a man that. Oh, now it's just a fact of life that you'll pee three times in the middle of the night. You're gonna get right. up to pee. It's like that's fun. Who knew that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or that who knows that like you go and and like spend all this money on your implants before your divorce, and then uh, yeah. like the like the implants that you finally get them after the bone graft and all that stuff. You're talking about dental money. implants, you guys. Dental, yeah, not dental, we yeah, were, dental. I don't know. Yeah, no, no booby implants, but but then yeah. what you don't know is that the, you, for the rest of your life, I guess, is that half of your meal is going to end up living next to the implant and it's like so it's like you have wow. to kind of like constantly like i'm like afraid to smile i have to go to the bathroom i always have to have those weird little plastic things and oh, i know yeah 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 it's like that sucks no i know and yeah i mean you don't have to deal with this but i've i there's like a cautionary tale at my gym of what happens to 75 year old men's balls and it is not pretty i mean they are just it's a miracle yeah. they're not all sitting on them all the time. Yeah, yeah. I've, I talked to my boyfriend a lot about this because we started going out, and he's two years older. Uh -huh. and we we like we we talk about what what it's gonna be like, you know, when that and his balls everything. drop. No, but it's crazy when it all and, falls. and like the little boob sacks with nothing inside of them, and well, I, <laughs> like what's that gonna be like, like. Are we just going to like, uh, you've, just, you've just described my number one porn search category. So, um, um, no, trust me though. You look great. I mean, I, I you know, I recently, you look great. I'm, I'm recently, divor uh, you know, separated. And like, so I was like looking at dating apps for age appropriate women and bananas, what most people look like. And I mean, I understand that I am not Brad Pitt, but holy shit. There's like, it's like, no, you are my grandmother. And you are 10 years younger than I am. It's well, and, and the weird thing is you're that's supposed to happen gradually in front of each other. You're not supposed to like the first time you meet and, and, and hook up that you, that you're old. And so no, that's I know. It's supposed I know. to be like a gradual thing that you're in love and you have this long thing and little by little you see the decline, not, you don't strip off the clothes and the decline is in yeah it's like it's in your face the war the, but the second worst part <laughs> thing that happens is you are you're looking at saying oh there's somebody she's like cute and you go down to the next picture that's awesome and then the third picture is her in a MAGA hat and then it's like <laughs> oh my fucking god I mean then again she is just holding an hot. assault rifle it's like. a whole no, yeah, no. But it's, like, <laughs> it's like the MAGA hat thing is or you know that becomes that's well you should be lucky that she like you didn't find out in person you know? yeah that's a yeah I, I guess that's true well I tell you I went after my divorce I went seven years without a date probably because I was scared of dating things those app things I was yeah. afraid of those Terrifying. I don't how long it. were you how long were you married seven years and then seven years without even a date like nothing like just, I was married for seven years too. Yeah, seven years. But then, 
it's like I, I kind of didn't care. I don't know why. I was just kind of, I had my daughter. I had someone to go on vacations with. I, you know, it was like busy. And but then. Like after, after I got divorced, I really was like so happy to just like be. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. oh, good. I don't have to call him back. Fantastic. Like, I understand it, that. <laughs> it I, was such a nice, like, for, like, Oh, good. I, I took a road, my space. I just took I, a road trip alone where I hiked in national parks by myself and it was wonderful. It was like, wow, that's something you never like there's I mean, there's that moment where it's like you can't say to somebody, oh my God, look at that. But I got to just sort of appreciate it. So I'm like hiking in Zion and arches, and it's like, holy shit, this is like it was so it was like such a personal spiritual thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. And it wouldn't have happened. I got three kids. I got, you know, it was a nice moment for me to do that. It's so, really yeah. nice. And, and, you know, prior to being married, I, I used to take vacations and stuff by myself. So, I mean, I, I'm, I've never been somebody that feels like compelled to be a, a, a couple, but um, it's, it's different at 50. Like it's definitely different as you age. Cause yeah. you know, it's, it's just a different thing to, to be dating, to be like thinking about, having sex it's a whole other thing you just need a really good sense of humor you know i think it's true and i mean i'm fortunate because i just get better looking so i don't have that problem but i know a lot of people do you'll meet somebody though i, I always oh, tell I people my story i tell people my story because especially women you know i got divorced when i was 50 and i didn't meet someone until i was 57 and i met a great person and he's you know, and I remember I was at the gym once. <laughs> My trainer goes, "Oh, you should meet so and so. He's got like he's got a house on a on a at the Bahamas." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, let's meet him." And she goes, "He's right over there." And I looked, and he was like 80. And I was like, <laughs> and I was just like, no. And I, I thought, is that is that you know, am I supposed to be a trophy wife to like a, a an eighty year old? Ooh, this ball yeah. dragging around. Yeah, you don't want that. You know? <laughs> there's, another, there's another thing that happens. I think when you cross forty five, at least this happens for men. I, I've noticed we're like, so you're forty five, and then a man in his mid sixties comes up to you, and like you'll be talking about things, and there'll be other younger people than you guys around, and it's like, you know, guys like us, we don't, they don't get it, and I'm, yeah. I wonder. Like, <laughs> I'm not, we're not, there's no us. I'm like, we're not I'm not you team. yet. Don't us me. So I've been very cognizant at 56 of not doing that to like 45 year olds, like guys like us, even though they feel like we should be in the same group, I know their reaction. And so I'm not like, I, it, 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 it scarred me so hard. It's like, you'll find out. I, yeah, I've had well, a thing nice. with like, if I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you, I was just gonna say, it's a nice thing like, like meeting someone so close to my age, like I didn't have to be with an 80 year old because yeah. like we can, we, we know the same, like we can sing the same TV theme songs, you know, and the same commercials. And we, we, we know the same jingles and ads and, and yeah. all that stuff. We have a, the same frame of reference. So what were you going to say, Jenny? Uh, when like, when I'm doing stand up before pandemic, when I used to do stand up, but like if I would be talking to a comedian that would be in their 20s, and if like guys always do this, it's like, oh, how old are you? I'm like, you know, I'm 42. They're like, that's okay. You look great. I'm like, I wasn't, asking. I didn't say it. <laughs> it wasn't great, but I hear that. It's like, no, 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 you look great. You're, I'm like, 
should I have not? Like, what yeah. the fuck is happening here? But it's like, just no, a I, weird. I, the one I don't like is, like, you know, I'll say, oh, how old are you? You know, somebody in their 30s, I go 56, and they'll just go, you're so brave. No, they don't really do that. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. You'll make your, yeah, look at you. Not wearing I like makeup. Yeah, I think, I think it's like my job to let people know that you can get, you can try new things, you can, be you know i mean i'm getting my first college degree i'm, I'm going to graduate and really and May. Well, where, yeah. are you going to at? where are you going to college i'm going to st ed's do you know st ed's and, and oh yeah uh, oh yeah yeah oh, so wow. i i i started like actually i started um i, I started in la i started just taking cl every time my life kind of turns to shit i take classes because it just makes me feel like it's amazing i i learned something i'm in i like it i feel like i'm you know, doing, moving forward in some respect. And um, it also makes me a better writer and a better songwriter because sure. the more smart you are and the more, you know, more your toolbox. Right. So I had started just compiling things, but I thought when I got divorced, I was like, ah, I, and I started just taking classes and I realized before too long, I thought, well, when I started wanting to write a book, I thought, I'm never going to just sit down and write a book, you know, so I'll get a degree and I'll go into an MFA program and then I'll write a book. But then I got my book deal with the UT Press, who I love because they do amazing uh, books, especially music books. They've got a really cool, yeah. cool catalog of music books. So once I had the book deal, I blew off school because I thought I don't need an MFA program uh, to write a book. I've got a deadline and I'm being paid. So but then the pandemic hit and I looked at all my credits and I'm like, I'm three classes away from graduating. Whoa. So I, I just started going this semester and I'm, I have to keep it like really um, low key though. Cause my daughter's graduating from high school and I don't want to be like that mom. It's like, I'm graduating too, cap and gown, come on. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I don't want to steal her thunder. So I'm trying to keep it kind of low key, but I'm looking at, anyway, so that's what I, what I meant to say was that I like saying at 61, you can just do, it's life. So many, when I was growing up 61, there was, I don't know, there wasn't, it just seemed so far off and weird and old and I like to just put that message out. And I wish, sometimes I wish the Go-Go's worked more for that reason. I keep telling no. them we could be, we could be like, you know, the, the, we could be the most insane all granny band ever. We could be the most successful all granny band that ever existed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, there are, there, I'm not going to name them, but there are inferior acts from that generation who go out on tour all the time. And yeah. I, and you know, from that, from that world. And it's like, there's, I, I, I would love, I mean, I, at the end of that documentary, I was sort of suspect, I was sort of hoping that you guys were like building to another tour. Is that not going to well, happen? Well, we, that's one thing about the documentary I got to say is it, it skips, it goes from like the third album to the present. And we did so much stuff in between that. I mean, we, we did, um, we did a, a, a several retrospectives greatest hits we did tons of tours like just because we weren't in the top of the charts we still we were doing so many cool things i mean we played it we, we played in new orleans we were like the first band on a on a float after katrina for this huge uh, mardi gras thing and we, i mean we did so many cool things and it was kind of a dra I, I realized that she couldn't put everything in there but we did a lot 
And uh, we are supposed to, we were supposed to tour this past summer, but pandemic and they've scheduled rescheduled for this summer, but I don't know if it's going to happen, you know? Yeah. We worked on and off for like 20, like from the time from, from like 1999, 95 to almost the present. We worked on a lot. People don't know it, but. There's a big I, I, circuit out there, casinos and corporate gigs and sure. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, it's like people believe me, and 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 it's the people. Your fans have all the money, so it's like you know in this in this bifurcated society. So it'd be good to like get but out. But we didn't tour that much, like because Belinda's a big solo artist and she no. can do whatever she wants. So she kind of like if she has time and wants to, you know, then we can do like three or four weeks. So I mean, that's where we, you're doing. Like, that's where your documentary was very similar to the police documentary. When, oh, yeah. Uh, Cause, cause well, only because it was like when Sting yeah. leaves. I mean, and I mean, I, it didn't feel in the, like Belinda and Steve and Sting did not like, they, they, they approached it with different attitudes, but it, it's always that same thing, you know, that the, the lead person kind of goes off and the band comes together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it took her a long time to realize that she held all the power, you know. Yeah. And I don't think she wields it in a like, you know, like I'm the queen way, but it's just like you you do. She has the power. It's like it wouldn't be the same, you know. It, it wouldn't oh. be the go-go's. And, um, and so we all find other way. I mean, I, I've from since about 1987, I always have another band always i'm always in another band and they've never been as successful as the go-go's but they've all been kick-ass great bands most of the time women and i have a great band in austin called the blue bonnets it's all females really cool like garage bluesy just really great rock and roll band is there is there a track from that you'd like our audience to listen to we can yeah 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 should i send you an email or should i tell you yeah yeah or you want to send an email? Yeah, send an email. Yeah, I'll send and, an email because when I'm on the spot, to think, I'll start like, going, hmm, which one? Which yeah, one? no, send an email and we'll, 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 link to, yeah. we'll link to that. I have a question, though. Did you, but uh, the not, cool uh, thing is, let me just expound yeah, on that yeah, one yeah. more minute because I feel like I have the most blessed career of anybody because I get to experience what it's like to play in a big band and go and play big places where everybody's like going crazy and loves you and knows your songs. And I know what it's like to just hump my gear into my car, go down to the Continental Club or to Antone's and play to a couple hundred people. And to me, it's the same. Once I'm on stage playing, it's the same thing. It is the same thing. You know, I don't think I'm just like in the moment. And but yet to get to do both is awesome. But so I'm you sure. And no, but like, I'll just say I'm going to riff off of that before I ask my question. But like, I'm sure it's like exhilarating to play a stadium. But that connection in a smaller club, I'm sure it, it's its own special thing that is different. I mean, do you find that? I mean, is oh yeah, my favorite thing. My favorite thing uh, in the Go Go's was when we were like in the, like when we're not playing like the Greek theater or the big yeah. places. Like one of my favorite yeah, gigs yeah. in the and and for about twenty years of Go Go's gigs was House of Blues, where they had no matter yeah. which House of Blues you were at, they had this. They had great food. They had great stages. Great crew and sound people and um the audience could be right up front i just love how yeah. i was really sad when the one in la shut because me too i miss the gospel brunch yeah oh, the it was gospel a great brunch is great 
I, I, I saw the Blind Boys of Alabama. Was it Blind Boys of Alabama? Oh, that God, yeah. It was so yeah. fucking good. Um, that was I, a really cool thing to have, you know. I, it's, I agree. It's like, what's yeah. in the place? Where did they build there? Which is one of those big I, things. Probably like a, I don't know. A, a, yeah. Well, who knows? Right now, there's probably nothing. Ever. Um, uh, <laughs> did you play did, did the Continental? Yeah. Did you play the Continental Club a lot? I used to go there all the time when I lived in I Austin. play there. The Blue Bonnets play there a whole lot. And, uh, and Anton. I love that place. It's such yeah. a, like, it's it just great. had like, everything behind it. The history, like, it's so fun. It's just great such history, a great vibe, place. great people. Yeah. I mean, South Austin Congress is, is always fun in general. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just a fun Austin area. is a fun place to be a musician. You know, you can, you can just kind of play as much as you want. And like in LA, it's like you're some kind of loser if you're just doing gigs all the time because you're like, why aren't you in the studio making an album and being yeah. a rock star? But in Austin, you're just a musician and you can just play. And it's like, that's what you do. That's you're so cool. Yeah. So. Cool. You have, um, did, did, what was your relationship? Because I was thinking about this, like with, uh, I'm thinking of the other prominent girl group that came just after you, but was probably simultaneous was the Bangles. Did you have any relationship with those, with that band? Yes. At, at the time, we, like we actually did a, a, a gig with them and you know, we, I always have been support. I, I, I want to see women, you know, at yeah. the top, you know, in the pantheon yeah. of all, when I first started playing, you know, that was my, that's all I wanted was, was to see women, like all the bands I love, Led Zeppelin and the who and the Beatles yeah. and the stones and the faces and T-Rex and David Boo, everybody was a man. And I'm like, where's the women? It wasn't until I saw Susie Quattro that it even occurred to me yeah. that I could be in a band. Wow. You know, she, she changed my life. She's the reason I, wow. and she's the reason Joan Jett started playing. No. You know, Susie Quattro should be, you know, she should get credit for launching a million women rockers. But, oh yeah, what was I going to say? Uh, the Bangles. Oh yeah, yeah. So bang, So I've always wanted to see women. And and the only time I got a, a like a little bit of a grudge was when the Go-Go's broke up in 85. And I was so, so devastated. And I mean, everything about my identity, my security was sure. wrapped up in that band. It, everything. I mean... I write about it so it'll break your heart when you read about what it felt like to lose that. Then the Bengals slipped in and became big, and yet they never talked about us. But and that used to be it like made me so mad. I'm like, we you, you got a record deal, a big record deal because of our work. And but the thing is, we never talked about. I never used to say when I, I never used to say if it wasn't for Susie Quattro. I say it now all the time, but when I when I was big, I didn't say that. So I get it. But anyway, we we've always been friends. I, in fact, I went in 2015. I I I did a guest spot as their bass player. Really at the Troubadour. It was so much fun. And it wasn't the whole set. Amy Mann did one night. I did one night. Oh, I love her. <laughs> it was awesome. And then I did a solo record in 2005 and Vicki Peterson was in my band wow. that I played. Oh, and then there was a while where Charlotte and me and Sue and Vicki had this idea for a reality TV show that was about finding the next all-female band and we got to like development and all that and we were like with this network that ended up like i learned some like just tv is a really hard business 
Like we had, <laughs> we had everything. We had, we had a great, we had the producer. That's a, no, from, that's a no brainer. Like what, what you just said, it's like the next girl group is like, but the like, next, the, like my idea for it was like, we will find, we'll find, if we find the girl, Roger Daltrey, we're going to find the, the coolest girl, Pete, girl Townsend. Pete Townsend. If we find the girl Prince, we're going to get her a Kraken band. Maybe we'll even get Wendy and Lisa up there. You know, like <laughs> my idea was to like put them together and like give them all the tools to, to just be huge. Cause I, and, and my, my um, motivation was so altruistic. It's cause I want to see that. I don't yeah. see it. You know, I don't, yeah. I still don't see it. It drives me crazy. Where's the females? How did that not go to a series? I would watch the uh, shit out of it. I would watch it. <laughs> you know what they chose over, like after languishing us in development, they chose the Pussycat oh, Dolls and made that into a show. Yep. It was Shocking. awful. It was such, <laughs> I still find my notes sometimes and I'm like, uh, you know, oh, like with all my ideas and all the little, like, because it was right at the beginning of reality TV where they have the tests and all that, which I just love, yeah. you know. I want to make go happen. I'm I'm inscripted, but I swear to God, I'm gonna talk. I, I this is a good idea. Yeah, you, yeah this is a good idea. And I Read my book to... and we'll talk. Oh, we'll I got go. a really oh, good. No, no, idea. no. I'm no, no, no. I'm gonna steal it from. I just want to be clear. I'm gonna steal it from you. But <laughs> steal my girl band. It was called Girl Band. It was called Girl Band USA. That was. The I think name. it's a great idea. No, we. I think I, it's amazing that that's not on. Okay, I think we're at the time, right? So last no. question. No, we're not. Okay. We have more. <laughs> no, I'm just okay. kidding. No, I said it just seems like it went fast, but okay. No, I right. love that. Yeah, I did go fast. I didn't really. I just say like I love Kathy Fowler. I do too. Right? I kind of like. <laughs> is this like the highlight of uh, my pandemic right now? I know. Awesome. It's kind of is my too. You guys could have yeah, me as a regular. Friends. We could be like I could be totally a regular. <laughs> oh my God, you're so much totally better than happy. you're so much better than Guy. You know, it's Guys, so much better to have you. Guys. He's just, what does Guy do? Should I take his place? dimensional drawing. Guy, <laughs> do you want to say anything to Kathy Valentine? Do you want to? I don't want your gig. I just want to say I agree that I'm terrible. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Guy's the best. Guy's the best. We couldn't do this without Guy. I don't think I can do what Guy does anyway. I, I mean, not, nobody neither. would want to put up with Danny and me. Like, I barely want to deal with me. I can't. I, I barely want to deal with me. Like so. Um, so, quick last question: What we always talk about this? Anything you're watching, Kathy? That you've been of like comedy or drama or what's the thing that movies, you're, TV shows, movies, anything? Oh my God! Well, what has been saving me for some reason? I don't know why I never did it, but I started about a week ago watching Friday Night Lights, and I'm just obsessed oh. with it. It's I'm so obsessed good. with Friday Night Lights and like I haven't been like that in a while and I will admit that I I'm so embarrassed but I'll say it I did binge out on Emily in Paris with my daughter be only because it was Paris only <laughs> because it was Paris and it served a purpose it made her interested in going to um what do they call it when you go to school abroad abroad, abroad. yeah they yeah, it yes. made her interested in, in studying abroad for her sophomore year. So, but it's but it was so cringy and bad. And well, that uh, helped me with my hero worship of you a little bit. It took you down a notch. So yeah. that's good. Did it? Okay. Did you? Okay. And I'm like eagerly waiting. Uh, Better Call Saul. Surely that's coming out soon. Oh, I can't wait. Yes, I mean insane. So I'm not a big TV. It sounds like I am, but I'm not a big TV watcher. I'm really not. So. 
when I do get one, I do it the way I do most things in a very obsessive and compulsive way. So I don't really have time in my life to do it very often. Otherwise I would just not be a yeah. creator anymore. But, uh, but th that's the thing now. I, those, I'm just, are good. Like, those are good. Jenny. What are you, you know, I haven't really been watching. I've been actually trying to write more surprising. Mm. I'm going to look like, at the trying, gas trying to be productive, but literally every time now when I want to just have something on the background, I just watch reruns of 30 Rock. I will say, I know people have been talking about it and I know it's probably boring to stay and it should not be as good as it is, but the Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Oh, really? I don't know that. Okay. So it's I based on a novel apparently. And this girl, I can't, I'm, I'm forgetting her name right now, the star of it. I'd never known her before, but it's basically this orphan girl. Um, she uh, like she's like in an orphanage, and she's a brilliant chess player. And but she's also there's a drug aspect to it. And and to just say that it's a mini series, but to just say that doesn't do it credit. They make the chess fascinating. It's they visualize it in such a way. Like there's this moment, and this is not a spoiler really, but where she's just a little girl at this point, and she's like watching a guy play chess and she's like figuring it out. And at night she looks at her ceiling and this, this animation on the ceiling that they do and where the chess pieces are moving and she's figuring it out. It's just, it's, it's brilliant. I watched it in two days. It's like eight hours. I'm sold. I'm sold on that. Cause I love shows where they kind of put me in some other world that it, I don't. This will, and, it will, and it's a period piece too. It mostly takes place in the sixties and it's, it's, it's wow. fascinating. Queen's Gambit can't recommend it enough. I'm oh, going to cool. give that a whirl then. Oh, I'm Unsolved gonna... Mysteries, new season out on Netflix. And I just have one more I love plug. My <laughs> I just have one more plug. The okay. bass player from one of my favorite bands of all time has a book that I really <laughs> want you to read. She was in the Go-Go's and it's called... All I Ever Wanted, an, a rock and roll memoir. And I just ordered it. Yay! And so you order it as well. And, um, I'm going to get it in about six months, I think, from Kathy. Uh, we'll see. I, I'll, I'll send it. <laughs> when you mail it. Let's see if you know, I read mine first and then give you mine, if mine gets to you faster than her. I'm just excited about mine. We'll have her signature. I could fake her signature. My big thrill for my book, every now and then, I still hear, like, Howard Stern loves it. And he keeps, like, oh. when, when you least expect it, like, I will get this spike and people will say, Howard talked about your book again. So that's like oh, for that's pandemic, right. like not being able to do a book tour, like, like that's like, I'm just like mana from heaven when every time he does it and he keeps bringing it up. So that's my big blessing of my entire pandemic. Is we have Howard a very similar story. So I did a little book cause I got in this Twitter fight with Trump and I did this little book of like in 2013, hundred page quick read where I, I documented that and gave it all to charity. And it was the first book Howard downloaded on his Kindle. Oh, did he talk about it, talk it up? Yeah, and, and every time, because I used to work for Howard, I was like one of his PAs when I was first starting out. And it was like, and so that, and you could just see when he talked about it, it's like suddenly the sales just went like crazy. So it's I appreciate amazing. this. He's powerful, powerful man. He I will really never... is. And then Gary like emailed me like, and I was like all excited. I thought, oh, he's going to have me on the show. He's going to have me on the show. But he just emailed me to say, I loved your book too. And I was like, okay. 
Yeah. And <laughs> but, some, but sometimes that's just enough, you know, sometimes yeah. I think you just get to a place where you just take what you get and, you, you know, you just kind of learn to be happy with those good things. You know, That is the good thing that comes from me anyway, with yes. me, is I get yeah. a lot more like, I, it's like, hey, what I got was great. It's all gravy now. Yeah. yeah. And I um, think the pandemic so has helped me be like that too. Like I, I kept thinking, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go live? And I'm kind of like, I'm just going to stay here. Why not? I'm, I'm close fine. to everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so, so, so much, Kathy, for doing this. It's so nice to, you know, I'm just telling people who say, don't meet your heroes. Fuck you. Do meet your yeah. heroes. Yeah. <laughs> um, when cool. should I start like promoting this? When does it come? When do you put well, it out? Um, we're going to send you, a, a Guy, when do you think it will air? Tuesday. So next That's Tuesday. Our regular oh, air date. And we'll say, we're going to send you. We're gonna I'll be send able you, to email you all the. Employees. We'll email you a lot of stuff. Promote the f out of it, and okay. I'm going to promote your goddamn book. I don't give a okay, shit. And I'll promote you. your book. We'll promote your book, and you just see how much it spikes. It'll make how. Okay, good, 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 good. Uh, anyway, thank you uh, so much. I really it. was appreciate so fun. It. Thank you so much for asking me. Oh, yeah. I, we're, I've done a million. Oh, I've done a million podcasts, and this was like I just felt like I was hanging out with my friends. So this. Was oh, really good. Fun. I hope this. Thank I hope you. this made the top one hundred thousand. This is yes. This probably like. Wait, which is the top? Is the the top. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, is it in the top? This is the millionth best one out of the. Oh million. yeah. Hey. Um, okay. I was we did it. I got <laughs> dyslexic. Does that mean it's the best? Numerically no. dyslexic is fine. I got it. Um, I'm time zone dyslexic. Have you noticed that? Like, I'm day, I'm day dyslexic right oh, now. I'm oh, I'm time zone. I like, I, I set up things all the time and I miss them all the time because I'm on central time and it was east or. Oh, central time's a nightmare. Nothing's yeah. I got it. I know. Every time I talk um, to my mom, I've, I've been out in California for how long? My mom's in Texas and she'll still go, what time is it out there? I'm like, it's always. It's always, always going to be two hours, mom. <laughs> Well, um, next time oh. you come to Austin, Jenny, we'll, we'll like if everything, if something's open, we'll do it. <laughs> Perfect. Can I, I come stay with you too? Yeah, I got a great house. Doing it with Jenny and Kathy. Hold on, <laughs> I spin off. Okay, love you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, Thank Kathy. You. Appreciate it. It was fun. Bye. 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 Bye.